0: And now for our sermon for today, we have a message from Mr. Lawrence Gregory entitled, Peace, Mr. Gregory. Most of our 6,000 year history has been a time of war and only a few periods have we had some peace and even in those periods they were fractured with violence, terrorism and fighting of some kind. Recently we've been seeing on TV, newspapers, news magazines. The disruptions in the Middle East, in the East, in fact, all over this world, things that are going on, mankind warring with one another. This week I was watching the United States Senate in session, and I heard Senator Kelly Ayelotte, I think it is, of uh, New Hampshire, say... The world is a dangerous place. And I think we can agree with that. It seems this violence and danger is increasing even in our local areas. Now, in Luke, the 17th chapter, verse 20, it says, in reference to Jesus Christ, And when He was demanded... Of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here, or Lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Now remember, he's talking to those Pharisees, and he's not saying the kingdom of God was in them, but the Greek says, The kingdom of God is among you. He was a representative. He was a forerunner. He was an ambassador. He was an envoy. He was an advance emissary of that kingdom on earth. And he was standing among them. Those corrupt Pharisees. So the kingdom of God was among them represented by himself. And then in verse 26 as he began to explain some of the things about that kingdom that was coming, the days that were coming. Verse 26, And, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. And verse 30, Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So he's saying... In the end time, when the kingdom of God comes, it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. And if we go back to Genesis, the 6th chapter, we'll see a description from God's word of those days in Genesis, the 11th verse, chapter 6. The earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And verse 13, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So we see there was corruption and violence then, just as Jesus said it would be today. And we can look at the world and we can see that it's getting more corrupt and more violent and we certainly know that is an indication of the kingdom of God that is soon to come to this earth. Now, that's bad to consider what's going on in the negative things in this world. But the good news is that peace will be ushered in two ways. I want to just cover two ways today. The first way is in the international, worldwide, global area, peace will come. That's a certainty. In the world, peace will come. The second thing is personal, individual peace is presently available and will come to all mankind individually so we have two things going on that I want to address today first is the international global worldwide peace efforts in Isaiah the ninth chapter and in discussing peace we have to discuss war and violence and corruption and evil and wickedness and sin and all the negative things that are going on in the world so in Isaiah the ninth chapter We read, beginning in verse 6, For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice, from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So we see both descriptions here of the first coming of Jesus Christ, described as he came meek and lowly on a donkey. And the second, when he comes in the might and the power Of his glorious reign that's coming as king of kings and lord of lords. Two appearances here that are described here in Isaiah. Skip up to Isaiah the 32nd chapter. And verse 1. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness. And princes shall rule in judgment. And then skip on to verse 15 because in the interim is a description of some of the carnality and wickedness of individuals and things that are going on. And and just like we would say the things that are going on in society today. Verse 15, until, these are going to continue, until the spirit be poured upon us from on high and the wilderness be a fruitful field and the fruitful field be counted for a forest. Then judgment shall dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness remain in the fruitful field, and the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness quietness and assurance forever. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation." and in sure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. When it shall hail coming down on the forest, and the city shall be low in a low place, blessed are you that sow beside all waters, that send forth thither the feet of the ox and the ass. And so a very descriptive time here of great peace and prosperity and blessings is ahead You know, when there's violence and corruption and evil in the world and nations are suffering, agriculture is suffering, want and poverty and difficulty and desire for just survival, things are taken away and it's a struggle to survive. But when the peace of God comes, when there's right relationship among nations and among individuals and when prosperity comes, even though there's going to be uh, some difficulties and some trials and people are going to have to sort out and work out their own Uh, life's problems, still there's going to be great blessings and great quiet. And notice the relationship here between uh, peace and quietness and righteousness. In fact, the scripture says, and I didn't write this down for Brian, but in Psalm 85, 10 it says that righteousness and peace have kissed one another. And so when you study and look at the relationship between righteousness and other qualities of character you'll see there is a relationship there now this morning I was watching on uh, Fox News preparing my message preparing the notes and uh, kinda watching the news at the same time and uh, there was a discussion on the Middle East problems and war and difficulties and peace efforts that are going on there and the moderator said, if I, if I can remember and paraphrasing what he said, uh, because he, he said a number of good things, but uh, from memory, I wrote down, he said, peace comes through strength and right, not through weakness or money. And I thought that was real interesting because in Revelation 19.11, it's when it's talking about Jesus returning, it says, in righteousness he does judge and make war. And that is, contrary to what men were looking for in World War II, that is the war to end all wars. Now, I'm not going to spend uh, a lot of time on discussing wars and how it affects uh, us as Christians, but we'll look at uh, some more uh, references here in Isaiah. Let's go to the 59th chapter of Isaiah. And uh, in... um, verse 17 through 20 for he that is talking about Christ and what he is going to do when he comes to establish and set up that kingdom for he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head and he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak according to their deeds According he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the islands he will repay recompense. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from transgressions in Jacob says the Lord. So it's a time of coming, even when Christ comes in righteousness to make war, to put down war, it's going to take strength and power. And this is one of the things that we're seeing and is discussed a lot as you watch in the news of what's going on, the wishy-washy, ambivalent, uh, weak attitude that our government is taking in addressing the altercations that are going on on in, in the world. And rather than taking a strong National uh, attitude of defense and strong and strength, you know, appeasement and weakness and and apologetic for others that don't even concern us. Well, we know what's going on in the world, and we can we can see that. Let's while we're here in Isaiah chapter sixty and uh, verse uh, fourteen and eighteen. The last phrase is talking about here, the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel, talking about the restoration of Judah and Jerusalem. And I just want to skip down to verse 18. Violence shall no more be heard in thy land, wasting nor destruction within thy borders. But you shall call thy wall salvation and thy gates praise. And so it's hard for man to realize it, but there's coming a wonderful time for a thousand years when it'll really be realized. True peace. Peace among the nations and peace individually. In Isaiah, the second chapter, back up to the beginning of his message here. In Isaiah, the second chapter, This we're so familiar with these first four verses that are millennial in uh, description and probably be read during the Feast of Tabernacles to describe that time that's ahead of us. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 1, the word that Isaiah the son of Amoz saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people, And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. That kingdom is going to be a kingdom of strength. And Jesus Christ is not going to tolerate any violence among the nations or against His kingdom. And there won't be, as I've mentioned before, and I've said there won't be the military academies and people learning how to conduct war. And we won't have to worry about our soldiers coming back and maimed and, and all of the handicapped soldiers. I, I just heard yesterday on the news, and it refreshed a memory that I had forgotten a long time, but you know there are, I think it's, I don't know the exact number, but 70-some thousand soldiers Missing in action from World War II. There are 1,700 from the Vietnam War and uh, I think 600 from um, the Iraqi War. Missing in action. Either blown up, buried, captive, maybe surviving in prison of war camps for years or maybe disintegrated because they were in a foxhole and blown up and then the wild animals ate their body and... Seventy-some thousand from World War II. My uh, mother's sister, my aunt in Kansas, had two sons, two of her sons that were in Second World War. They never returned. And I've told this before, maybe many years ago, how uh, one time my aunt went to a fortune teller at a carnival. And the fortune teller told her, you know, somebody that you're really expecting and longing and looking for is going to come back and come see you and the rest of her life, she lived in a false hope that her two sons would come back from the war that they were, the last I knew they were in France there during the Second World War, fighting the Germans. What happened to them? I don't know, but they never came back. And she lived all of her life hoping and expecting in a false hope that they would come back. But somewhere, those and sometime and we can look forward to the time when those 70,000 individuals are going to be from World war to going to be that's just in the Americans not counting British and Canadian and uh, the Allies and the Axis forces and not counting all of the enemy that died and never returned back to their loved ones. What a horrible waste and difficult time is war but what a wonderful positive thing and that's what I'm trying to say in the relationship of peace with this. It's, it's something that is going to be ushered in that we will no longer see. Now, Micah, the fourth chapter, I won't go there, uh, verse one, uh, 1 and 4. Micah was contemporaneous with Isaiah in the latter years of his prophecy. And he had some of the same uh, words in Micah, the fourth chapter, verse 1 through 4. But he mentions that uh, here that uh, nation shall not lift up, nation, let me see, maybe it is in Micah, Let let me go because I had written down, yeah, let's go to Micah, the fourth chapter. Oh, yeah, verse 4, Micah 4, 4. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, a symbol of peace, agricultural prosperity, and having everybody be able to sit under their own vine and under their fig tree. And none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. So we can count on that and bank on that because God has promised and because He said it time of peace coming ahead. Now, of the 300 references to peace in the scriptures, I'm not going to be able to look at all of those. Uh, Some of them are so very important to us and I'm overlooking and I'm not going to uh, touch on today a lot of those favorite, positive, good scriptures that we remember and know. Uh, There's about 85 uh, references to just the peace offering in the Old Testament only and we're not even going to look at any of those and the significance of the peace offerings. There are several Hebrew words and several Greek words that are uh, translated uh, as we understand from the English and in the English words uh, for peace. uh, The general meaning is uh, absence of war, harmony, restful, in body or mind, so different Greek or different Hebrew words uh, signify some of these different aspects of peace cessation of hostility. Some people want peace. Some people don't. You know, they like the military. They like the war. They like the fighting. They like the business that comes from the war effort. You know, like I, President Eisenhower, who was a general in the Second World War, warned America against the industrial military complex and the war effort and the manufacturing of war effort and arms for money and all the things that would come from the negative thing of that. Uh, We talk about peace. We long for it. Some achieve it, a measure of it in this life. Some don't. Some live a lot of their life in agitation and turmoil and uh, in... uh, a defiled conscience and in difficulty seem like hostility they're, they're angry and other people gain a measure of peace but the wonderful thing is that ahead of us and we know this and I don't have to remind us but I'm doing it anyway because ahead of us it's a wonderful time when this whole world is going to have peace and when every individual will be able to experience and have that in their personal life Let's go back to the book of Job. Job the 22nd chapter and verse 21. This was uh, one of the speeches of uh, Eliphaz uh, in his dialogue with Job from their humanistic and uh, humanistic and uh, their uh, partial godly understanding of uh, what was going on in Job's life. Some of it accusatory. Some of it, uh, some, they said some, some good things. It's a, it's a book that we really have to study to see the wisdom that's in the book of Job. But he said something here in verse 21. Acquaint now yourself with him and be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto you. I want to take that not just as his Advice and recommendation to Job. But to us and to everyone. This is the answer. Acquaint ourselves with him. And he'll give us peace. And then the resulting. Good will come from it. The fruit of righteousness. Is shown in peace. The scriptures tell us. Now. We know. In Luke the second chapter verse 14. Turn there. this, This is how God looks at man and his concern when he was announcing through those angels the coming birth of Jesus he said in Luke the second chapter we'll just look at a a couple of references here Luke the second chapter and in verse 14 verse 13 says and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host Praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward man. That's what God wants on this earth. He wants peace and he wants his good will expended toward man. And he wants man to have peace among ourselves and to have good will one with each other. Jesus said in John, the 14th chapter, verse 27, Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give unto you. Not as the world gives give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now listen, as I wrote down some notes, and you probably have your own, and you can add to this. The contrast between, as Jesus indicated, between His peace, between true peace, and the false peace of the world. True peace... Is lasting and it's permanent. False peace is temporary. It's of this world. It's insincere. True peace adds quietness. You know, quietness and peace go together. It's hard to have peace when there's violence and war and jangling and disruption and corruption and all of those things going on when we know peace is the opposite of that. But there's a quietness that's associated and a relationship to peace. The world's peace is self-centered. It's all about self. It's not about the rest of mankind or others or our uh, fellow man. True peace is restful. False peace is one-sided. Think about that. Nations want peace, but they want it their way. They want it to be one-sided. They want to control and dominate. and They want violence because they want their way. And many times, the world's peace is based on deception, on lies and fraud, and they, they pretend that what they have is right and good, but it's not. True peace is without fear. It's safe. It's calming. And it Adds to and lends to prosperity. False peace is mixed with terrorism. It's based many times on bribes and payoff, money. It's what's going on in the world today. we our nation is kind of in a catch-22 situation. Don't have the guts enough to stand up and speak out and to withdraw money. From those nations who are abusing our American citizens and their own citizens, don't have the guts to do it, but afraid to withdraw the money because maybe greater violence will ensue. And so the evil use bribes and payoff and threats and intimidation, and their peace is so easily broken. Breaking those treaties. Well, we could go on and on. You could, you could add a lot of your contrast and your ideas. Of that, but let's, let's go to the second point here that I have here. Uh, and that is personal, individual peace. Now, there's a lot can be said. As, uh, what is peace really? And uh, how, do, how do we get it? Uh, uh, we could talk about the place of prayer, as we heard in the first message in achieving peace and and the part that prayer plays in it. We could talk a lot about the companions of peace, righteousness, judgment, trust, faith, love, quietness, obedience. And then we could discuss the opposite of peace as we have seen just a little bit that's going on in the world from the time of Adam really increased to the days of Noah's flood. Jesus said would be increasing and would be similar in our way. The lack of peace would be war, conflict, unrest, violence, disruptions, personal agitation, confusion, waste. We could go on and on and on. But let's just take a look at a few of the scriptures that will help us in understanding where our personal peace can come from now and where it's going to come from in the future. In Ephesians, New Testament, Ephesians, the second chapter, verse 14. For he is our peace. Who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. And he goes on to explain, you know, he's broken down the barrier between Jew and Gentile. Between man and God. He's our peace. Here's the interesting thing. That in the midst of problems and difficulties in this life. The things that are going on. We can still personally have a measure of peace if we have Him. Peace of mind. Psalm 119, 165 says, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. We don't wear our feelings on our coat sleeve. We're not easily offended. Don't get our feelings hurt easily. We don't Strike back at someone if if they uh, hurt our feelings or say something to us we didn't don't suddenly strike back at them. Notice the relationship to righteousness, which is the fruit of peace, and righteousness is the keeping of god's commandment. Great peace have they which love his commandments that love his law isaiah the twenty sixth chapter again verse. 3 and 4. Back to Isaiah. Now Isaiah, the great prophet of God, had a lot to say about this because in his lifetime there was a lot of war going on with the threats of the Assyrians and the things that they were coming against Israel and their disruptions and the evil that that nation was bringing upon the people because they deserved it. Because a lot of the cause of that was their own sins and their own faults before God. But Isaiah, the 26th chapter, verse 3 and 4. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust you in the Lord forever. For in the Lord God is everlasting strength. Now, doesn't do any good just to trust in his temporarily or short-term. Yes, it will have short-term uh, benefit. I, I, won't, I won't say it. There isn't. But from just trusting in him for a short time, we'll have a benefit. But to trust in him forever, whatever goes on in our life, whatever difficulties, God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. So we keep our mind fixed on him and then when difficulties and altercations come and yeah, we may get our feathers ruffled a little bit. It's only natural we're going to get upset or we're going to get stymied or we're going to... But when we check ourselves, and then we get that strength from him and then we're able to go through that ordeal smoothly and keep him. So that's that's how we're going to have peace is through him and through... uh, Trusting in Him, forever. Notice the emphasis several times in here is forever. Proverbs, the third chapter, and verse seventeen. Here is talking about um, wisdom in the verses leading up to that. So I'm not. I'm not going to go into that and all the benefits that uh, wisdom has. So this is. Her personified is talking about wisdom. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. And all her paths are peace. I had to think a lot about that. And uh, there's something in this verse that, you know, would give us pause and cause us to think a lot about wisdom And all her paths are peace. I'm not going to try to analyze all of that, but just leave it with us as we go about this week. May we come back and say, well now, how does wisdom direct me into peace? Wisdom, we know, is the fear of God, keeping of His commandments. So, when we keep God, His law, keep His commandments, when we're righteous... When he is in us. Whatever is going on. Wisdom will direct us. Into a peaceful way. So. I'm just going to leave that. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot in that to think about. Uh, back in New Testament. James the third chapter. And verse. 17 and 18. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy, hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So maybe there's a key here in looking at James and the earlier verses uh, that's talking about wisdom. You can go back in your, in your studies if you want to in the, in the time to maybe have a better understanding of how wisdom will bring us peace. But notice the fruit, you know, a tree, what it produces is fruit. And what righteousness produces is peace the fruit of righteousness is peace and it's sown. Now we talked earlier and I I didn't make too much of this but Isaiah was talking about sowing, you know, and and giving away. I think that's a key, isn't it? For us who have God's way and His truth and I didn't bring in those scriptures to talk about that Jesus Christ, uh, you know, bringing the gospel of peace and all of those scriptures that He is the the gospel message that is a message of peace. And how we sow when we distribute, when we give out. You know, you plant a garden, you plant a field, you sow, and you reap the result of that. Well, we as, as believers, as saints, we sow goodness out, we sow peace, and we reap peace back. Uh, in, in fact, um, Jesus talked about this a little more in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, the fifth chapter. We are called peacemakers Matthew 5 9 says uh, no Matthew 6 Matthew 5 9 blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God so we who have peace we who have understanding we share that we distribute it out and it and it spreads to others and we afflict others with our peace now you know, it, it doesn't always happen. Uh, we turn the other cheek. It doesn't mean that everybody's always converted and then they give up their violence. Wait. You know, I, I was studying in something else and, and uh, looking at this, but in the uh, early days of our nation, when we were at uh, war with uh, Britain, you know, back then every citizen had a weapon, had a rifle. It was just a just their common thing, and the soldier civilian militia was able to uh, stand up to uh, the four nations of Britain and France and, and yeah their brothers and, and we were at war like the first measure we were talking about you know Israel going against Benjamin and how God allowed that to happen to, to uh, accomplish and to bring about certain lessons that they would learn from that altercation and uh, our separation from our Uh, beloved mother country of England Uh, and how our American people love peace and weren't militant but were able to defend because every citizen had a weapon and every citizen was able then to rise up to throw off that foreign dominance and the power that was being corrupt over us and you see this and, and you can take all kinds of scenarios and especially in the world today and what I was talking about earlier and in justifying from a national sense I'm not talking about the the Christian uh, lifestyle now but I'm talking about uh, the nation and its right to defend itself when it's strong and powerful and mighty and is able to accomplish that uh, defense a lot of the other nations are going to leave us alone and have peace But when they perceive weakness and a lack of uh, resolve, then they're going to take advantage of that, aren't they? And so, by being strong and being right, our nation can accomplish a lot of good. And And it's the same way, perhaps, in our personal Christian life, that if we are positive and strongly committed to God and His way, and are walking in righteousness and being peaceful, That we can spread that message on and, and it will affi- afflict and be passed on and others will see that. Uh, in Galatians, the fifth chapter, I won't go there, but we know that uh, the fruit of God's Spirit, those nine fruits, the third one is peace, love, joy, peace is the fruit of God's Spirit. So by receiving more of His Spirit, we're going to have more of that. Now, change just a little bit and leave that for a little bit. And say this that, in uh, thinking about this, unfortunately, men don't know of themselves in carnality naturally the way to peace. They don't know the right way to peace. Romans, the third chapter. We have scriptures that, a number that talk about this, but we'll just look at a, a couple here. Romans, The third chapter, verse 17. The way, he's talking about uh, the evil that uh, men do and the unrighteousness. And uh, their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. Verse 17. And the way of peace have they not known. Jeremiah, the tenth chapter. Verse 23. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. And back in Jeremiah the 6th chapter. Verse 10 and 11. Verse 9. thus says the Lord of hosts. They shall surely thoroughly glean the remnant of Israel as a vine, turn back your hand as a grape gatherer into the baskets. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach, they have no delight in it. Therefore, I am full of the fury. Of the Lord, I am weary with holding in. I will pour it out upon the children abroad and upon the assembly of young men together. For even the husband with the wife shall be taken, the aged with him that is full of days. And in chapter uh, 6, verse 13 and 14, yes, continue on. From the least of them even unto the greatest of them, every one is given to covetousness, and from the prophet even unto the priest. Everyone deals falsely. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. And in Ezekiel 13, verse 10, because even because they have seduced my people, saying, Peace, and there was no peace, and one built up a wall, and lo, others daubed it with untempered mortar. Verse 14, So will I break down the wall that you have daubed with untempered mortar, and bring it down to the ground, so that the foundation thereof shall be discovered, and it shall fall, and it shall be consumed in the midst thereof, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So in looking at these few verses, and leaving out many, many that describes and leads up to in the context of what we left out a lot of the condition of Israel and Judah. And some of these prophecies that were there because of the carnality and the sin and the violence and the wickedness and the, and the evil was going on. And that God said he was going to break down that wall that they had daubed up, that they had set up a false peace. And they didn't understand really the right way. It's not in man, Isaiah said. Uh, In uh, chapter 59, verse 8, it's not in man to know the right way of peace. And so there's, like I said, many, many other uh, verses that we can look at to see the conflict of man's way and the hostilities that they have and the lack of understanding the way of peace. In 1 Thessalonians, just have a couple of more verses here. 1 Thessalonians in the New Testament, chapter 5. 1 through 3 but of the times and the seasons brethren you have no need that I write to you he was leaving talking about the resurrection and the time that's ahead of us and comforting one another with the return of Christ and those things that are going to occur for the saints what a wonderful time that is ahead of us we just went through that day of trumpets and now we're approaching atonement and tabernacles when we are rehearsing and living again and studying the great transitions that is going from this world to the world tomorrow. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. And he goes on to say how we're the children of light. Now, as I close out here today, um, I'd like to end on a, on a positive note, but unfortunately there's such a mixture of war and violence mixed in with peace, that these concepts are intermingled. We want peace. We want quiet. And the good news is, in the world, it will only be coming when Jesus Christ comes the second time. That's for international and global peace. That's only going to come when he comes the second time as king of kings and lord of lords and ruling and master of this earth. Now the second thing that I mentioned about in our personal lives, it'll only come when Jesus comes presently in our life, lives in us through his spirit of righteousness and if our trust, obedience, love, submission to Him is perfect, then we'll experience that perfect love and peace through His Holy Spirit. Isaiah, the 48th chapter, verse 16, 21. My intention, I guess, today is for us to really anticipate the change that's coming ahead exemplified by the holy days that we're going to be observing. Contrasted with what's going on that we see in the world today. We get so fed up and so disgusted and so aggravated, don't we? With the way things are going and the people can't see it and they just don't know it and we know why that they must go through and experience that and why God has only called a few now like us to understand and to see that. And the wonderful, wonderful Glorious time that's ahead when the whole world will see this and the whole world will lie in peace. Isaiah, the 48th chapter, verse 16. Come ye ye near unto me, hear ye this. I've not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was. There am I. And now the Lord God in His Spirit has sent me. is Isaiah speaking. Thus says the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that you should go. Oh, that you had hearkened to my commandments. Then had thy peace been as a river, and their righteousness, thy righteousness, as the waves of the sea. Thy seed also had been as the sand, and the offspring of thy bowels like the gravel thereof. His name should not have been cut off, nor destroyed from before me. And so that's what I mentioned. That's the message and the gospel of peace that we have to share and to take forward and to spread to this world a wonderful time ahead of us so as we come next Wednesday and experience the Day of Atonement and this understanding and the great significance portrayed by that Holy Day and then as we everyone observe wherever we are whether it's a place that we go to in our trip and our travels as we go to the Feast of Tabernacles or whether we observe and recognize it in our dwellings because we're not able to go, but we recognize and observe these days. Brethren, we'll look forward so wonderfully to that wonderful world tomorrow and all those changes that are going to be taking place when Christ comes and puts down the devil and puts down evil and establishes peace individually in everyone's life. As long as they live, except for the little wrinkles that occur in, in daily living that they're going to have to face in their trials and tests, uh, that, that's going to be there. But the international and the global and national wars will cease and stop, just as I've uh, gone through those, a few of those very verses in scriptures today to show us. So it's a wonderful time ahead, a time of peace for us and for all of mankind temporarily, presently, and forever.